0: Well, I mean, it's nice to hear somebody else has issues, but- Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Welcome to the React Native Nerds Podcast. I'm Spencer. And I'm John. Join us as we dive into topics you need to know about to become a better developer. Hey, welcome to React Native Nerds, episode number 15. I'm Jonathan Wheat. Joining me, as always, is Spencer Carley. Today, we have a guest from the West, the founder and CTO of Infinite Red. Pillar of the React Native community, probably the nicest guy you'll ever meet, Jamin Holmgren. How are you, man? I'm doing
1: well. Wow, after that that kind of intro, I really have some expectations built up here, but uh, I'll try to <laughs> I'll try to live up to them.
0: <laughs> We're trying to boost the ratings, man. Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, Spencer, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. I'm super excited to get to talk with Jamin today and just kind of you know chat React Natives.
0: And I will apologize right up front, Jamin, because I worked with a guy who spelled his name the same way but his name was Jamon. Okay. Really spelled the same way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, awesome. And for the longest time, every time I would read your tweets and whatever in my head, I would do Jamon. And yeah. now, you know, and you have the pronunciation in your Twitter bio. So <laughs> for everybody listening, it is Jamin.
1: It's it, it is kind of funny. I had a um I had a teacher uh, like a shop teacher and he could not figure out how to pronounce my name and he's just like I how come i can't you know like what what is with your name you know and i'm like okay listen mr risinen uh <laughs> i'm sitting right next to a jason <laughs> you can pronounce jason just fine just uh just switch the s to an m and you're oh, good that's and so he, funny oh my gosh he was just like oh <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, no, I, I get that it throws people off. I'm totally used to it. Uh, it's it's no big deal. I, I answer to Jamon, uh, Hamon, uh,
0: all,
1: all kinds of, oh, uh, uh, yeah. you know, uh, all kinds of different permutations. Yeah, of the,
0: it. the Spanish J will get you every time. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And it means ham in Spanish, which uh, people generally will remind me of every, you know, every so often, just in case I forgot. Uh, but uh, I, I don't I, I like ham. So I'm I'm cool with that.
0: Nice. That's great. So what have you been up to this week?
1: I, I've you know, to, this week's been a weird one. Um, you know, normally I have specific projects I'm working on. I'm kind of working toward a specific goal. Uh, and i do have one project that uh unfortunately won't be ready to announce by the time this airs so i can't uh talk about it right here uh but uh it's gonna be kind of a fun one um but this week's just been like one sort of um like small annoying (laughs) don't have a good answer for it problem after another so like okay here's problem a um the obvious answer won't work, so what can we do to just kind of work around it? Okay, now here's problem B, and the obvious answer won't work either, and what can we do to work around it? It's just like, in it's it's sort of like in when you're coding, and you just are having to implement hack after hack, and you're just feeling gross about it, but in <laughs> the business world. <laughs>
0: wow. Well, I mean, it's yeah. nice to
1: hear somebody else has issues.
0: But. Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> it's been, you know, it, it's been one, one nice thing about it is is it has been, uh, it hasn't been team issues. It hasn't been like business partner issues. It's just been like normal business stuff that we're having to kind of just grind through. Um, and we're also having a good, you know, we're consultancy at Infinite Red, and we're having a good problem where uh, our schedule is full. So we get these really hmm. awesome projects in, and we're like trying to figure out how to fit them into the schedule. And a lot of times we're having to tell them, we would love to do your project. It would be an amazing project, but we just can't.
2: Yeah, that's always the tough coming from like a freelancing world where it's like you know you make commitments on projects you enjoy, but then there's the like a really cool project that shows up and you're like, oh, <laughs> I, I wish I wish this would have been like you know a month ago.
1: I know but freelancers get that even more than we do because you're you go so quickly from
0: desperate to find a job to I'm way too full for the next. Right,
2: three exactly.
0: <laughs> what have you been up to, Spence? Oh, uh, let's see. Spencer, sorry. I always called you Spence. Hey, it's sorry, fine.
2: I, I respond to both. I mean, I go by my first name, my last name, the great Carlini, whatever. It all works out. <laughs> um, I was actually introduced at a hockey tournament as Spencer Carlini once. And that was like the entire tournament. That was just the name. And it, it, it was great. It was a great tournament.
1: Wait a minute here. You play hockey?
2: I played hockey, ice hockey for 13 years. Oh, is um, that right? I don't anymore. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I started... Well, I, I played it like for not to get off track here, but I, oh, I played for a couple of years back uh, in the early 2000s, and then I mm. just started again about a year ago. Um, oh yeah. Of course, it's on hold now, but I, I play goalie, and um, I started playing city league, you know, rec league, and uh, our team uh, lost in the in the, the like championship uh, for our for our league. Uh, we oh man it's it's it was so disheartening but uh <laughs> but we were really good and and i was kind of surprised given that i've only played you know a few years like like a decade couple decades ago that uh, i did pretty well so yeah it's that's awesome it, hockey, ice hockey is so much fun
2: it is yeah i was goalie for you know 10 of those 13 years so that's
0: okay well i'm gonna have to ask you for tips <laughs> yeah so, I was goalie for a soccer team. Oh. And it was scary enough having that ball come flying at you. Right. What is it like to have that solid thing fly at you at however many hundreds of miles an hour? Well, I, mean, I don't know how fast they actually I, come at you, but.
1: I'll, I'll tell you, in Rec League, there's no hundreds of miles an hour anywhere. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, um, you know, that. You get, once in a while you get a guy who can just wing the the puck hard but he has no control over it and that those are the scary ones but yeah mm-hmm. um in rec league you know you're not you're not facing someone who can pinpoint uh, a shot on on the net with with any velocity which is which is decent i have gotten you know hit hard though and once in a while with with one of those errant uh, shots and and uh, that'll leave it'll leave a mark for sure
2: yep definitely oh, wow. i know when i was The only time it got uh, started to get scary was when I was playing varsity hockey in uh, high school. And um, when people were about to, like, you know, go to college, they were going to play there, their shots started to get a little scary. I got one good dent in my cage on my helmet once. Mm -hmm. And then I had one puck bounce off of my helmet underneath my, like, what is this, shoulder guard or chest protector. Mm -hmm. And then, like, got stuck right on my collarbone. and That, that one, um, <laughs> mm. I was out for the rest of the game for that one. But oh, yeah. Oof. Yeah, I well, don't know. You
1: get used to it. I would do a whole podcast episode uh, talking hockey, but I think we've already lost like three quarters of our audience. So, <laughs> <laughs> Crap, that's like three people. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, my mom might still be listening. So, hi, mom. <laughs> okay. All
2: right. yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, this week what I've been working on is um, a basic redesign of the search flow in Spectrum, which is, you know, the app that I work on, built in React Native, basically just changing the search UX a little bit. And initially it's like, oh yeah, just quick little change. But it's one of those problems where basically like I coded myself into this corner and I couldn't do what I wanted to do with my old implementation. So I basically had to rebuild the entire search UX and then I had to rebuild it again because I screwed up and, you know, again coated myself into a corner so just kind of toying around with doing that and it's been interesting but i think by tomorrow i'll be able to have it
0: finished good we yeah. talked about co- those corners man you gotta be careful
2: yeah you gotta start in the corner and work out see i told you i wouldn't remember that
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice.
2: john what about you anything interesting going on with you
0: this week no just sitting around doing nothing <laughs> no um packing selling furniture trying to sell all of the things here um but Listeners from last episode, right at the tail end, we talked about a little side project that I thought about and started years ago called the Yelling Pages. And uh, so afterwards, Spencer and I were, were talking a little bit more about that. And so I went and registered the domain, sure, of course, because you always have to do that, <laughs> yes. and uh, started working on a landing page for it. So uh, you can watch out for that little fun side project. And then I'm I'm actually using Ignite, which is you know fun because you're on here, Jamin. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's to awesome. build an app for um, a course that I'm going to be doing nice. uh, related to uh, Fastlane. So just been playing around with that and really still getting, getting my feet under me with uh, Ignite and TypeScript. And actually, we're going to talk about Ignite a little bit later, so I won't jump into all that right now. But I do want to jump into some mobile news. I don't know if you all are following this or not. But there is an epic battle going on, pun intended, between <laughs> Apple and Epic. Right. In the show notes, I have "Do not piss off mother" because <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so anybody that um, is not involved with mobile apps don't know why you're listening to this. But if you don't, if you don't know, if you don't have an Apple phone, if you really don't care, if you're not a gamer or whatever, uh, Epic, the owners and creators of Fortnite, decided to circumvent. Apple's pay for in-app purchases mm-hmm. and the subscriptions. And so they built their own mechanism for that. And that's a violation of Apple's terms, you know, and Apple wanted 30% or they get 30%. That's the cut. And Epic was like, nope, we're not doing this. We're building our own. So Apple said, fine, you know, we'll, we'll drop your app from the app store. Right. And that's sort of exploded now because they're going to revoke their developer account, yeah. which on the surface level doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but they supply the Unreal Engine also. So mm. they're going to cut off their ability to, I guess, the entire developer account, not just a paid one, it sounds like. So right. they won't be able to pull down any of the SDKs, any of that, to build the Unreal Engine, which everybody and their brother that's ever played around with game dev has downloaded and tried, and mm. some very large game houses actually use. Yeah. So this is blown up and to the point where... Um, Steve Jobs did this amazing, amazing 1984 video when Apple came out and you know, it was just killing big brother. There's this talking head, there's people marching, it's all uniform and just craziness. I don't even know how you would describe it. Very cultish, just following the leader kind of thing. Epic. God bless them. It was amazing. You have to go watch this video. They did 1980 Fortnite. (laughs) and um it's all animated it's all the characters from the game and they're all in this thing and there's this talking apple head and you know it's calling down for order and all this sort of stuff and then you know one of the characters runs in with a hammer and smashes the screen just like the original video and it's Mm -hmm. fantastic we have both the original video and this video links in the show notes so you have to go look at these or just google you know look it up in youtube It is hysterical, but I'll tell you what, man, just do not piss them off because (laughs) they hold all the cards. And I guess there's a similar thing going on between Epic and Google because Mm -hmm. Google also has, you know, some, uh, some rules about payments and whatever, but wow. So it is a immoral for us developers because if I hope you do, if you create an app or a business and you get this large, Mm -hmm. you got to follow the rules. I mean, Mm -hmm. Some rules are stupid, but some of them you have to follow because there are going to be repercussions huge repercussions, yeah, yeah, yeah
2: definitely. I mean, this is one of those things where fifty percent of the time when I'm doing consulting, this almost like ends an engagement when a, a SaaS company finds out that Apple's going to take a thirty percent cut of their revenue and they're like, "Oh, you know in that case, right, maybe it's not worth um, going down this route of even creating the mobile app, so it's something important to to recognize when you are publishing an app on on the app store that they're going to get their cut
1: right yeah and and one of the things that well okay there's a lot wrapped up in this but um, i know <laughs> one, one thing is uh for now you know developers lose because there's uh, there's just no no you know i guess developers and end users kind of both lose in this situation um epic you know clearly did this on purpose they did it mm-hmm. to pick a fight uh they stuck the the payment thing in there to just blatant, um, you know. We're going to provoke. We're going to wake the dragon here, and um, they had, you know, within like a couple hours, they had already filed their their lawsuit. Uh, so they they had this thing, they had this thing totally ready, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to try to make the case that uh, that Apple is a monopoly on the you know pretty gigantic iOS market. Uh, you know, Epic also makes some. Like App Store-like apps on, uh, I think it's on Windows and Mac. And so uh, they're basically saying, well, we should be able to have our own App Store. Like, why is Apple denying, you know, why is Apple saying that their App Store is the only one that is allowed to exist? And they're saying, you know, like, you know, Apple's saying that it's for security and for, uh, you know, the user experience. And they do have a, a legitimate argument there because I don't know if you remember installing apps on your computer prior to the app store, but, uh, you know, you're, you're always worried about viruses and stuff. We always had to, like, scan mm-hmm. everything with virus uh, protection software and stuff like that. And where through an app store, you just generally don't think about that. It's already been, you know, it's basically has its stamp of approval and Apple's going to kind of protect you. But uh, so, yeah, there's some value there. Uh, but what Epic is saying, well, let us compete in that same space. Like, let us, you know, uh, show that we have the Uh, that we have the ability to protect your phone that you know like let us let us install apps on your phone um and uh let us do the like competition right so they're saying that apple's engaging in anti-competitive behavior on the ios platform to uh to keep everybody else always funneling through and just being a gatekeeper that's all they are they're just taking this gatekeeping tax of 30 on on everything and uh it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out um I I think that there's actually some probably deeper-reaching consequences here uh, around you know like if if the courts do side with Epic, uh, which I don't know if that's going to happen, but if if they do and they allow like you know they say that hey Apple you have to allow sideloading apps through other app stores, um, man that would be a gigantic change. Uh, I mean it would just it would just be mind-blowing because that was never the uh, you, you can never do that on, right. on the iPhone and it would have implications obviously for Google as well so I don't I don't know like Google has this plausible deniability where they can say well you can put another app store on there you just have to like fork Android and you know <laughs> all these things <laughs> it's very simple uh, very
0: simple right exactly <laughs> well you can jailbreak your iPhone
1: you can I think it violates the terms of usage. Uh, totally. uh, so yeah. the Apple can't say, well, this thing that violates our terms is a way to get around it. They can't like legally make that case. Um, I think Google is in a slightly stronger position from that perspective, but I don't know. Like it's going to be very interesting. And I'll tell you what, this is like the most entertaining drama that's happened in the tech world in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it is. totally. <laughs> so uh, we're all I'm just sure. kind of
0: watching with a lot of it, with a lot of interest. And you know it gets insane because there is an iPhone that's being sold for $10,000 with Fortnite already installed on it. Because <laughs> I guess Apple has already pulled Fortnite from the App Store. So, I what? mean, nobody's bought it yet. So you really can't say that's the market value for this. Right. But, um, you know, you know it's insane when somebody pulls that. It's Microsoft's
1: very... getting involved in this too. And they're, they're really like uh, trying to push for it because, you know, Microsoft has a vested interest in potentially having their own app store on an iphone that would make a big difference for them too and Mm -hmm. they'd be the one to i mean i'd probably install it just to kind of see what they have um but yeah i don't know it's it's a very messy fight because i mean microsoft is opening themselves up also i mean xbox has its own app store and you can't like just you know sideload stuff onto xbox Mm. so uh, that's that's another situation where they're vulnerable
2: Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. It's like, you know, something going to the Supreme court, it'll, it'll set some sort of new precedent and we'll see, see where it all plays out in four to six years, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Next up is just a goofy little thing I put in the news because I'm building this app for my fast lane cheat codes course, I decided to focus, um, to make it a little fun and entertaining It's a little UFO app. Nice. This really proves that they track you around the internet. Because you know, I was googling for UFO APIs and UFO stuff and just little graphics and things that I could put in this icons, whatnot. And now I'm getting UFO news surfaced <laughs> to me, like all this stuff. I mean, YouTube and there's like these fringe UFO videos and oh my gosh. Wow. So anyway, I just thought I had to throw this in here. Um, whether you believe or not, the uh, Pentagon now has a task force to study UFOs now. Apparently, the people not in the know call them UFOs. If you are in the know, you call them UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. So that makes oh. it more official. So if you ever hear anybody specify unidentified aerial phenomena on the news, they've been informed. Oh, okay,
1: well hey, so, I, so anyway. I learned something.
0: Yeah, so there's, um, uh, see, uh, this is all the stuff I've learned, too, just looking for stupid images for this app. (laughs) And so there is an Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. Its um, job is to detect, analyze, and catalog UAPs that could potentially pose a threat to U.S. national security. So you heard it here, folks. Apparently UFOs are real, and now we have a task force, so (laughs) we should feel safe. I guess. I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea. But man, what what a rabbit hole UFO and alien stuff can be, man. I don't don't know your feelings, either of you really, but holy cow. That is entertaining (laughs) as well. So if you need a break from tech, just start Googling UFO stuff or UAP stuff yeah i
1: uh, i i am only only interested from sort of uh like a humorous standpoint like what what people think um mm-hmm. uh, it, it can be it can be pretty entertaining for sure yeah definitely yeah if you guys want an
2: entertaining uh tv show to watch it's called ancient aliens i think it's on netflix oh it's, i've i've seen
0: oh. that i've never watched it <laughs>
2: it's ridiculous but it's funny
0: it's it's, it's funny Yeah, yeah, it sucks in for sure.
2: Yeah, so kind of switching gears over to, I don't know. (laughs) Something the listeners actually care about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jamin, I'd love to, uh, I don't know, just learn a little bit about your background. How would you end up in technology specifically, you know, React Native land, and then, um, yeah, I'll just leave it there.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, So I've I've, uh, kind of gone in depth into it in other podcasts, so I'll just do a really quick overview um for for people so i grew up in uh coastal oregon state uh oregon state up in kind of the the northwest um and uh that's where bigfoot is right yeah (laughs) there's uh, another there's another rabbit hole (laughs) right it's (laughs) speaking
0: of welcome to the react native paranormal podcast
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, bigfoot's more kind of where i live now actually okay Uh, but um but it was kind of that same area and uh, so but there was not a lot to do my dad owned a business and so he bought a computer to do his books this was back in the uh, early 1990s um and so i was just fascinated by it and i started like editing batch files to to you know cuz there was like a menu that would pop up using autoexec.bat so i had to like edit the autoexec batch file in DOS and uh really just thought it was so cool that I could make the computer do whatever I wanted and then uh we got another computer that had QBasic on it and so I started learning that um and had help from a math teacher who gave me a book um that she she kind of recognized that I was really interested in in computers and gave me a book on basic and that gave me a lot of ideas then my my parents actually bought me a couple of uh, uh programming books and so I would I just spent like my teenage years building games and stuff and then when I was, um, I played basketball and stuff, but I was also, like I'd go home and I would, I would, I would program. Like that was, my, that was my after school activities. Um, and then uh, after high school, I worked a variety of different jobs. I did some side projects helping people like with their Visual Basic, you know, VBA, like for custom VBA for Excel and Microsoft Access. And that was really fun. And, um, and then uh, after a while I, I finally started my, my business in 2005 when I was 23. And I, I started as just a solo developer building websites for friends and family. And then uh, hired my first employee in 2009 and started building it into a business. And it kind of just slowly built until around 2014 when it kind of took off and uh, really kind of became a thing at that point. Um, merged uh, with another company out of San francisco called infinite red uh, in 2015 and then I've been running it with my two business partners ever since um, so that's the the high level thing i I've always loved coding it's always been something that's in my blood i didn't really i didn't go to I went to went to one semester of college tried out for the basketball team was cut <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, otherwise you know just kind of didn't didn't take the college you know path very seriously dropped out and went um, went into the workforce <clears throat> and uh, but I didn't really it didn't really appear uh, like occur to me that I could make a living programming until I was you know like much further along it just didn't I didn't have any programming you know mentors or or anybody that I knew other one guy I did know one programmer who lived in San Francisco he would come up and Uh, he was friends with a he was a friend of a friend and he uh but he was like a hardcore c++ programmer with you know a degree and computer science and stuff and it just seemed like it was really unattainable plus he was a ridiculously smart guy (laughs) so it just didn't seem like a path that really was open to me until much later and then I was like oh well duh people will pay me to do this
2: interesting to hear how you kind of started solo grew it and then merged how did infinite red end up going down the route of react native because I mean even 2020 it's yeah. still relatively new but like you yeah. guys have been working with it for a while and you know a lot of thought leadership and ownership on react native and then just a lot of yeah. uh, community contribution as well
1: so this goes back to how todd todd worth uh my co-founder and i met each other as well as gant laborde who's also a, an owner at infinite red i started doing ruby on rails in 2010 uh, I had been doing PHP before that, and so I, was, I started getting involved in the Ruby community. And Ruby, of course, just massively into open source, where PHP at the time wasn't really so much uh, kind of, even though it's an open source language, it just wasn't really uh, a cultural thing. But in Ruby, like, you're using open source all the time. I actually started using a, a system called Ruby Motion to start building uh, iOS apps in 2012 and started creating some open source around that time. Gantt and Todd also started making some open source in RubyMotion as well. And so we started becoming aware of each other's uh, open source. I think Gant had a, like a podcast slash YouTube show that talked about RubyMotion. He had me on, he had Todd on, so we got to meet each other there. Um, and then we all met at a conference in San Francisco in 2014 uh, where I was giving a talk, actually all three of us were giving talks, and uh, we got a chance to get to know each other at that conference which was a very influential conference for all of us. And this technology kind of uh, faded after a while. The guy went to work for Microsoft and uh, I think now he's back at Apple, the guy that created it. Um, But we kept in touch and we were continuing to do open source. And then um, in early 2015, Todd and I started talking about merging our businesses. Uh, Gantt had his own thing and then he started working for Todd. So it was uh, was just kind of a, a Everything kind of converged, and then uh, we decided to merge our businesses. At that point, RubyMotion was really on the decline. And so we finished our merger in, uh, I think it was October 1st of 2015, and immediately switched over to React Native okay. as soon as we made that, that switch. We figured, you know, like this is a big kind of relaunch of Infinite Red and my old company merged together. We might as well do our relaunch of our technology at the same time. React Native uh, came out in 2015. And so I think it was September when the, the Android version was released. So it was just a month prior. And so we're like, okay, this is this is a viable path. We've looked at it. It looks like a good path. Let's go ahead and move everything over. And we actually had already sold two projects uh, for Ruby Motion. And we went back to the client and said, both both clients, and said, hey, uh, we're not using Ruby Motion anymore. We're going to use this React Native technology. Are you cool with that? And they both said yes, and so we immediately just jumped into some React Native projects and haven't looked back since. Now, one thing that's kind of interesting is both of our companies, my my company ClearSight, back in the day, and uh, Todd's original Infinite Red, had been because of our open source uh, involvement in the conference, um, blog posts, you know, blogging, uh, various you know various things like that. We had already sort of made. A wave both of us separately in the Ruby motion community and if you were to look at that time at uh, Ruby motion uh, You would have said okay infinite red and clear are uh, the clear kind of big companies mm-hmm. that do this So we already had a model for moving into a new technology and we just followed that same model We just did the same thing like it was it's in our blood like we we're going to do open source We're going to blog about it. We're going to you know, do all these things with the community Uh, We're going to give talks. We're going to release courses. You know, these things were all already in our blood, and we just did pretty much the same thing. It's just a much bigger pond than RubyMotion was. React Native is just so much bigger. Mm -hmm. And um, I I can definitely say that it's been an effective strategy for us and also something where I think hopefully the community has gotten a lot of value out of our our work as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I can say
2: I have. So, yeah, thank you for all that you guys have done. But something I'm I'm really curious about um, because, you know, people are always going to be this, but like, oh, you know, 2020 React Native's dead, Flutter's taking over, whatever it may be, <laughs> all great technologies. But back when you guys were like, okay, Ruby Motion is on the decline, we're going to move away from it. How right. did you guys go about analyzing React Native compared to other solutions out there or just going purely native? Like what made you go down the React Native route? Or what was the thought process there?
1: Well, I think that if we had, I mean, we, we had already, we had done some pure native apps as well. And that has its own issues. Mm-hmm. Um, RubyMotion had a uh, an Android-specific implementation that wasn't very good, but we had already worked on doing some cross-platform stuff. So like, you know, adapting our open source to work on both platforms with the same API, et cetera. And we'd gotten a taste of this cross-platform development, and we were very, 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 very interested in cross-platform development at that point. Like, this clearly to us was a way to reduce the amount of cost and effort it would take to release two apps because that, like when we started doing mobile apps in 2012 uh 2011 I think for me when I started doing objective c uh mobile apps it was pretty much iOS first and android if we get to mm-hmm. it that was kind of the 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 feeling but today that's not the case and we could see that coming we could see that you know now androids becoming more and more important here we need to make sure that we are uh we are prepared for this and building it twice didn't seem very interesting to us. Now, um, we we also do web, and so there was this, you know, understanding that okay, React is a, a viable solution. I think we were doing Ember at the time uh, for for front end web, but we can switch over to React, and we can you know use uh, Redux, and we can kind of like build a similar stack on the web, and iOS and Android, and that was very very compelling to us um and we knew that because we could drop down into native at any time we always had an escape hatch like okay this screen is just not working in you know react native okay well we'll build in an objective c we'll build it in java and at that point then it should work great and we can just integrate the the two together seamlessly um because we have i guess we have a lot of uh, confidence in our ability to drop down in native anytime we want since that's where we came from
2: yeah, that's that's really cool, really interesting to hear the thought process there cuz like for me I also started working with React Native like full time in 2015, but for me it was I was coming solely from a JavaScript background, but yeah. the client I was working with was like we are not doing Cordova. I don't care what you use, it's just it can't be Cordova. And <laughs> even the team that they had hired all JavaScript engineers. So <laughs> we we're like, "Uh, eh, well, it's not Cordova we'll, we'll figure it out and I think this was like in August right. of 2015 and we kind of ended up going down the route of react native but yeah it, it's cool to see like a, a thought out thought process on choosing the technology
1: yeah for sure there were a lot of conversations but uh, that that's definitely the the gist of it
0: yeah way back in those days I was building conference apps I went down a ruby road I used row mobile I don't know if you'd heard about that but that was essentially the same thing you built your app in ruby mm-hmm and that would build for iOS or Android.
1: Was there a different name for it at at one point cuz I feel like I this is familiar but it was
0: uh, Rhodes, to... RH Rhodes. Rhodes, yes, or something like that. I think it's yes. all the same it sort of merged and moved around as people bought it. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, I I did play around with Rode I think it was Rhodes. Okay. Um at one point uh but I never played with Rome Mobile specifically. Okay.
0: It sort of fizzled out after a while. They got bought so their architecture changed yeah. a little bit, and then you know you needed to go back and update everything. So I jumped ship right. and went to Appcelerator for a while. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. um, I was in that for a while, and then it started yeah. out just as CommonJS, and then they went to Titanium, which was you know JavaScript and XML, and right. mm-hmm. Those sorts of things. I played with that a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: the The biggest issue I had with Titanium was um, that it was it just felt really unstable, like even normal tutorial stuff I would put together and it would crash, mm-hmm. um, uh, at that time. And it was, it was very promising and interesting, but, uh, but just didn't, the execution didn't feel like it was there when I tried it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I used that for a few years and then, um, you know, sort of hit a wall with an Android build and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm building conference apps, so it's not anything mission critical, but I had to, mm-hmm. I had a client that didn't have an Android app that year. And, you know, so I was like, yeah. all right, I got to switch. And then I found React Native. I've been doing that. Yeah, Very cool. Yeah. So I was creeping on you. Um, I mean, I was doing my research about you. (laughs) And so I just listened to the Tech Junior podcast you were on in March. So if you want to listen to more about his history, you know, you can go listen to that Mm -hmm. Tech Junior. So it was just really interesting listening to that. And I also, part of this, selling my house, packing everything up, did a trip up and back to my parents up in upstate New York. And so I was binging building infinite red podcast again. Like I've yep. listened to a few of those episodes multiple times, but then, you know, I was just like, all right, nice. I got four hours up, four hours back and just listened, you know, to everything. Sort of on the business side. So there's there's a the three of you, season one, you know, you had a, a, another owner and then season two, Gantt comes right. in. So now it's a three of you. Right. And this is less React Native, but I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> like you are in Oregon, Gantt is in New Orleans. And yep. where's Todd? I forget. Is he out there? He's in Las Vegas. He's in Las now. Vegas. Uh, is that a different time yeah. zone? Is that over from you? It uh, it's same? specific time actually,
1: okay. so that's 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 handy. Okay.
0: All right. I was just curious like how all that works, how you communicate, like do you guys right. each have agency over specific silos of decisions and you're just like, "Oh, by the way, yeah. I did this yesterday." that might or might yeah. not affect you? Like how does all that work together with, with three owners?
1: You know, um, no, that's a great question, Jonathan. I, I <clears throat> this has been a dynamic that has been that has sort of evolved but in a lot of ways has held true to our original uh, intention for it. So Ken Miller was uh, uh, the third founder of Infinite Red uh, at the time when we started and Gantt was our top employee basically, kind of executive level uh, employee and uh then gant bought in uh and you can listen to this in the one of the the first the first episode of season two of uh building infinite red our kind of discussion around how that all went um and we bought ken out uh who wanted to move on to some other things which we still have a great uh relationship with him in fact all four of us were in a zoom call just shooting the breeze um just earlier this week i think it was tuesday and uh it was it's you know a fantastic relationship still but um but it was like a uh uh you know we, we had this this initial idea that hey you know the the biggest existential threat to infinite red is that we three at the time owners have a falling out and so we need to really work on a relationship and make sure that if there are any issues we don't bury it we don't put it under the rug we we deal with the issue and we um you know, we try to make sure that we're we're always uh, at least um, we don't have to be uniform in our you know approaches or anything like that, but at least unified uh, in in where we want to go. And um, we do we we started by doing every all decisions were made as a group as an ownership group. Um, and I think that was the right thing to do because we allow We, we allowed ourselves to have these conversations early on. Uh, and I, I actually would recommend this. If you have a partnership, um, start not by necessarily dividing into individual responsibilities, but start by making every decision together. And it will be kind of annoying because you have to always get together to do these decisions, but it sparks all these conversations. Now, someone might have a particular uh, expertise and they're going to be more knowledgeable in a certain area, but, you know, obviously... Uh, that will allow them to kind of explain their reasoning to the other, uh, the part, other partners, and the other partners will get a, uh, really building trust, like, okay, yeah, this person really does know what they're doing. And in some cases, uh, the other partners will come in with some really great advice and, and some ideas that, that might work. So that was good. And then uh, later on, we, after a few years, we decided, okay, we're going to split into individual responsibilities because we're getting too big and there's too many things going on for us to constantly be meeting to make these decisions. So um, for a while, I was operations, but I'll just tell you kind of what I am now or what our roles are now. Uh, I'm CTO, so I, I'm in kind of leading our, our engineering team. And we have about, I don't know, 15, 16 developers, something like that. And uh, I don't do it from like a, a management standpoint. I'm not checking in with them on their projects on every every little thing. Uh, it's more of a kind of developing them as a as an engineering team, supporting them, uh, jumping in to pair with them if they need help. You know, just just managing them from that aspect. I also am char am in charge of the the technical sales, which is the bulk of our sales. So I manage our we we have a, a sales and marketing coordinator, uh, Missy Warren, who does a good job, uh, kind of going you know, like coordinating a lot of the communication around our sales leads and stuff. But then uh, I'm involved in in that process. And then I also work with our estimate team to get, you know, proposals sent out and and really just kind of lead up that that part of the, the business. So really business development. I'm, I also connect with our partners, make sure that we have good you know communication with all of our different partners. And we have dozens, dozens of companies that we stay in regular co- communication with. That's, uh, you know, like uh, the, the sales part is really where <laughs> I kind of earn my keep, But uh, the, the fun part is the managing, leading the engineers. I really enjoy that because I still love coding. That's why I got into this. And then uh, Todd is our CEO and also uh, heads up our operations. So he's running all the projects and uh, he's kind of like team focused. He's really big on, on uh, focusing on internally on the team. Um, does a great job there with our project manager, Jed Bart- Bartoski. And then uh, Gant is our chief innovation officer, and he kind of does R&D, and he's also doing our marketing. Uh, so that's that's a uh, a big piece that we added recently, is having one of the owners really focus on the marketing side of things. And he's done a great job. Even though he's an engineer, he's been learning a ton about marketing. We have a great marketing consultant who works with him. And of course, Missy, our uh, sales and marketing coordinator, works with him too. So. We've divided it up, and uh, generally speaking, like if someone's like, "Hey, uh, you know, I want to do this thing, and it's within their purview," we're just gonna, you know, th- that's their thing. Like, let them do their thing, and we trust them, even if they do make mistakes, that uh, that they were, you know, headed the right direction. And we still always have the ability to just call a meeting and say, "Hey, I need some advice on this," uh, and then you know, we'll we'll talk it over. And we have like uh, Justin Husky, our head of design, who really fills that leadership role on the design side he's sort of my counterpart on the engineering part of my job uh, for our design team
0: oh that's great yeah just listening to the podcast it seems as though you three get along really really well and i've thought man if i ever had co-founders like i hope i have a relationship like that because it just you could just tell i mean when you guys speak to each other the respect and the trust is just really amazing yeah Yeah, that's
1: good yeah and it's it's not an accident it's not just luck um we've worked really hard to develop that sort of relationship it's we will spend hours just talking and it doesn't have to be about work like just talking like getting to know each other building that trust um if there is a problem like jumping in and and into a zoom call elevating the bandwidth and saying hey let's let's talk this through so just the other day for example uh todd said said something on slack that uh and it wasn't even about work it was just some random stupid thing that we were arguing about (laughs) (laughs) and and i was like hey dude can we jump into zoom and we did and i found out he didn't mean it like at all the way i took it it was just slack you know chat communication coming across the wrong way and we had a great conversation and then that was it like it was fine if i could have gone away from that and just been like oh you know todd's a jerk you know like (laughs) but uh but he wasn't at at all being a jerk in in that case uh in that case case. uh no he he, he's a great guy we're gonna have to have todd on next um, so he can get his i know you do have to have todd todd is way way funnier than any of us like like he's super funny he's fun to be around uh he's he's a he's a great guy um he doesn't know much about react native to be honest because he's focused on the operations side uh, but he, he knows enough to, like, uh, sound pretty intelligent about it, he's a smart guy, so you, you yeah, should totally have okay. him on. I think he'd, he'd be a fun interview. Might as well,
0: we'll just go through everybody that works there. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll make it work. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly.
2: Yeah. So something I'm really curious about, a package that so often I'm using is WebView from React Native. And for mm-hmm. years and years, it was part of React Native Core. But as part yeah. of the Lean Core initiative, Lean core. Yeah, yeah, it it's one of the many packages that got pulled out into React Native community, and you know, yeah. you're you're all over those commits. You you work on that project, so I'd, I don't know. I'd mm-hmm. love to learn. I don't know, like why why was that pulled out of uh, React Native Core in the first place?
1: One of the core things with React Native is that we all understand that uh, React Native's biggest customer is Facebook. Um, that is the number one that's what's that's what they're going to um kind of lean toward uh, a little bit in terms of what they what they prioritize and anything that's in core is going to be influenced by that Mm -hmm. um at the same time the facebook uh, react native team which is great uh, fantastic people to work with i i work with them i talk with them almost every day and they are very they value the community a lot so they have their big you know internal customer but they also want to make sure they don't uh that that they support the rest of us and so the best way to do that really was to move some things out of out from under the shadow of this massive facebook internal client and to do that you had to move it out of uh out of the core um so webview was one of the biggest uh sources of pain points for them it had hundreds of issues dating back to when it first came out and a lot of times the answer that the react native core team had to tell people was facebook doesn't need this um so feel free to uh, build your own web view and add that functionality so we had this massively fragmented ecosystem of i don't know dozens and dozens of of WebView forks with various pieces of functionality, you know, like oh, this one supports, um, you know, like better cookies, and this one supports mm. this random like, like feature in Android, and then this other one supports this other thing, and uh, they would in- inevitably like start, you know, like as a fork, and then they would fall into disuse because the, the the company that forked it, you know, got what they needed out of it, and so you had all these all these forks everywhere, just a just a fragmentation mess. And so the idea was, okay, let's, uh, let's move this over to the React Native community uh, repo and uh, extract it, which I did. Um, extracted all of that in, uh, I want to say, 2018, late 2018 or something. might have been early 2019. And um, get, it, uh, get it moved over there and then uh, start implementing the various pieces of functionality that have made, that have made it everywhere else. Uh, I moved over all the issues, moved over the pull requests, uh, let everybody know, kind of coordinated with the other fork authors, all of which, by the way, were more than happy to be like, cool, let's combine efforts, (laughs) because they were just tired of all the issues coming in and just having to solve the same problem like eight times. So that has been a fantastic success. It's, uh, you know, WebView quickly gained a lot of functionality that the community needed, um and uh, a lot of stability improvements, things like that. And I believe Facebook is now using it internally in like oh, yeah. the Community Fork. So that's, that's pretty nice. cool. Um, so they, it's kind of got, come full circle and then they removed it from the core. But yeah, just removing as many things from core as, as they could possibly meant that then uh, the community could iterate and innovate on top of it. Now, I will say that WebView has been uh, a real challenge to continue to maintain. It is such a complicated, complex uh, package. It's mm. one of the most complex packages that you will find in the ecosystem whatsoever. It has large amounts of Objective-C and Java slash Kotlin, I guess now it's been converted. Uh, I gotta give a, a shout out to Tebow, forget his last name He right now <laughs> <laughs> when I'm sitting here, but uh, he goes by uh, uh, Titoz, T I T O Z Z Z online and uh, he has done a fantastic amount of work uh, really really amazing programmer um, he's the hero of of webview since we you know since I, I forked it over and and uh, started the initial work so he's been doing a ton of the work but you know he gets busy and I get busy and uh, there's we, we still need some more more support from other I will say also that Expo has been a good. Uh, Expo has been a good partner in this as well. They have devoted some resources to helping us out too because they use it internally. Uh, it's been a great experience for sure. Uh, and there are some changes coming to uh, how we manage WebView soon, uh, which we'll be announcing once it's ready for public knowledge. Uh, but it should uh, continue, hopefully, to support the community.
2: Very cool. Now, so you forked it, right? You could have forked it and open sourced it under Infinite right. Red. Um, Namespace, or you know, and that means right. But why did it go into React Native community and kind of what is React Native community? Because you know, also the React Native CLI is in there. That's where releases are tracked. It's, it's a, (laughs) it's a big, very important uh, GitHub organization.
1: Right. Uh, So you may have uh, stumbled into some of the uh, things I was alluding to just just prior. Uh, Uh. There's there's some internal discussions going (laughs) on about how we, uh, yeah. uh it's a very very perceptive uh, uh comment um or question I, there there's there's some uh, not in any way uh in fact, actually the whole core team and open source community uh kind of um, governance team has a lot of unity in how we want to approach this now, uh but we didn't have clarity before, mm. and so some things went into react Native community that shouldn't have. Um, we're going to be re- releasing at some point. Um, hopefully, I'm not revealing too much. Uh, that's unannounced, but there's uh, there's some uh, preliminary agreement that we're going to be releasing some uh, pretty substantial changes to how we, you know, what goes into React Native community and what goes into other uh, organizations. In terms of putting in the re- in the Infinite Red organization, I was originally going to do that, but in the spirit of making sure that we got everybody on board, uh, I went with the React Native community instead. Uh, because I wanted to make sure that all of these forks that were out there, like all these different, uh, you know Fragmented things didn't feel like they were coming in and like contributing their hard work into an infinite red repo And so that was kind of the the impetus behind it uh, But uh, but there is some clarity coming around that it was yeah there, there's you've kind of hit the nail on the head Spencer with uh, that You know, like well, why is this in there? And why is this not in there? Uh, those are those are some questions that the uh, governance team is actually uh, discussing right now.
2: Very cool. It's always always interesting to hear that. So be excited to yeah. follow along.
0: <laughs> yeah. And stay tuned for the big announcement, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not sure when that'll happen, uh, but yeah. So one one project you at Infinite Red handle is Ignite, and in yeah. my mind, this is a starter kit. Sort of to get a jump on building a mobile app, it's somewhat mm-hmm. opinionated because it, it installs a couple packages for you, sets everything up in a very organized fashion. I really like mm-hmm. I really like it. Um, I use the, awesome. the default
1: mobx state tree. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. Bowser the, stack, yeah. the yeah. Bowser
0: one. That's it. Bowser, yeah, yeah. yes, That's it. Yep. Um So I was curious. Like you have those different templates. Are you you're literally building those separately. Like, I don't I don't really know how the CLI mm-hmm. works for that. But yeah. I mean, you have two different repos you guys build on. So if if you choose one of those templates, it pulls down all that code.
1: Right, right. Yeah, totally. So they're distributed actually as NPM packages. Uh, so there are separate repos for them. And there are also separate NPM packages. It's kind of a complicated mechanism how we pull those in. Um, <laughs> hard for me to even explain on, on the air. It essentially is like building a skeleton app that doesn't look anything like the final result and then installing the boilerplate and then copying the files over and then moving some stuff around. It's, it's a very complicated thing. I actually have a, um, well, when, <laughs> whenever I get the, uh, the, the time and the energy and remember to do it, um, there is a, uh, a, a fork of Ignite CLI called that I'm calling Ignite Flame, which drastically simplifies the whole process it'll be much faster than the current process and it'll be much easier to work on the boilerplate than it is right now at the cost of some of the power so like right now you can choose a lot of different things you may not be able to make as many choices during the installation of you know like when you say ignite new my app you may not have as many choices up front uh you know because we may lose a little bit of power i don't know i'm working through that (laughs) But yeah, the CLI uh, is is for generating boilerplates, and then we have our various boilerplates. Andros, which is Andros, is uh, it's uh, like Redux and uh, regular JavaScript instead of TypeScript and stuff like that. That was our original boilerplate that we developed when we first went into it. And then in twenty seventeen or eighteen, I think it was twenty seventeen, uh, we released Bowser, and that was um, that was we moved to Mobx State Tree. We moved to Uh, TypeScript and made some other uh, stack decisions. What I like about Ignite boilerplates, both of them, is that nothing gets into the boilerplate without having first been proven in an infinite red client project or possibly two or three. Mm -hmm. Uh, So here's an example. Um, We're making we're, we're we have a discussion happening in our local you know Ignite Slack channel about including React Native Exception Handler into Ignite. We have two projects that used this particular package for a combined total of four years. So we have absolutely proven that this thing works. You know, We have really worked with it. We know it inside and out. When we implement it into Bowser, you're gonna get the benefit of those four years of experience using that package and not just hey jamin thought this would be a cool thing based on the the readme you know or spinning up a quick little app no this is like real world actual projects big projects big uh they're actually both interestingly both uh, logistics apps with uh, hundreds of thousands of users each like this is battle tested this stack and that uh that's it's worth a lot like it's not just opinions these these are proven things we we've gone down some routes and then decided not to include them into uh, into our boilerplate for example react native navigation uh, we used it on a project uh, the uh, lead developer came back and said yeah it's okay uh, but I think I still prefer react navigation and uh, based on you know that particular project we were able to make a decision between the two and uh, so yeah every everything that makes it into ignite Bowser has been battle tested that's really the the big uh, benefit there is you get all the pain and um <laughs> you know blood sweat and tears that came from working with all these things and you get to benefit from it when you just say ignite new whatever you get all of those uh, all of those decisions baked in and then also you get a community so like the community slack that we put together there's a lot of people that use ignite and they may have run into the same things that you did
0: yeah it's great i'd love it like I said, i've only been using it for maybe two weeks three weeks and uh, it's it's really good. Plus, I'm also learning TypeScript as I go. So having that already baked yeah. in and not having to set things up and do all that was was really right. helpful too. So where do, where do you find time to work on this? Like I would I would think <laughs> I'm. I assume I mean it was just upgraded to six three. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. So I imagine
1: except for I screwed that up. I
0: screwed that up. John. You did.
1: I don't know if you know that. Yeah, um, it was a breaking change. There were actually some breaking changes in there, and I released it as, as a minor, <laughs> uh, a minor, uh, version. And I didn't notice it until like a week later. Uh, no, uh, I didn't. I, I just, you know, we use. I just created <laughs> we, a new project. We, I didn't we, even notice. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it probably didn't affect you at all, but, um, nobody's complained about it. So just the nature of it is probably fine, but I was, I, I was in charge of releasing it and I, I did it as a, as a minor uh, version bump, but for the most part, that doesn't seem to matter because a lot of people only use ignite to spin it up initially, and then they don't upgrade necessarily, even though there is a path for upgrading. Um, so uh, so the versioning isn't quite as critical as maybe like if I had released a new version of WebView. Right, right. So I, so I imagine
0: with those upgrades, you went through and implemented hooks, implemented the new technologies whenever they roll out, depending on that. So you're doing rewrites and yeah. refactors along the way?
1: We are, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's a variety of contributors. We have a ton of, I mean, you know, like Ignite itself, um, well, Bowser has uh, 115 forks. Um, I actually am kind of curious how many contributors. 47 contributors. Okay. Um, which uh, you know, it's just a just a lot of people have contributed to it over the years, and then Ignite CLI has over 100 contributors. So it's a, it's definitely a community effort. But internally, we do put a lot of time into it. I'll I'll call out uh, Brian Stearns who uh, works with us uh, regularly. He's been putting a lot of effort into it lately. And uh, Robin Heinz and uh, Harris, Robin, uh, you know all these, all these great developers have been putting in some time into it. But uh, I think your initial question, Jonathan, was uh, how do I find the time to work mm-hmm. on it? And um, lately, not very well. Uh, <laughs> um, it's just been uh, with, with uh, the COVID situation and stuff, I've been really kind of just focusing in on our core business, making sure we're healthy. Um, but uh, prior to that, I, I spent a lot of time where I would just spend the first hour of the day working on open source. And then uh, that gave me sort of a, well, okay, eight to nine, I'm going to work on a open source or nine to 10, I'm going to work in open source. And then I have a meeting. So I have to get out of it. Like I can't just keep going. It um, gives me a, a, a definite stopping point, And then I can pick it up again the next day. And if you put I mean, if you put an hour a day into something over the course of a year, you're going to get pretty far. Sure. Yeah. So with
2: Ignite, I've, I've never actually used it. I've known about it for years, mm-hmm. but I've never used it. Yeah. How, do, after you like initialize a project with it, how would you use it, like continue to use it in the future within that same There's, project?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. So it's um it's a project boilerplate. So like you could just like, jump in and start working within the app and then it's just react native it's react native with particular things already set up for you um but you can also use the ignite cli to continue to do things like generate components and uh models and you know things like that so you know ignite we come from rails so rails had like rails generate uh model rails generate component i mean sorry uh controller um we have the same concept in um in Ignite, and it allows you to generate really quickly, just be like, uh, Ignite generate uh, login screen, and it'll, or Ignite generate screen login screen, and it'll create a, a login screen for you, and um, now it's just a bare screen. It doesn't know that login screen should have, you know, a login component on it and stuff like that, but it gives you those uh, those things kind of already pre-built in. Uh, some people love using them. Some people are like, nah, I'll just copy and paste from another component and move on. Um, but uh those those generators are cool uh currently you can you can also like like actually build your own uh generator templates and stuff and it will use those if they exist so there's a lot of uh a lot of functionality like that as you go forward. you can also do things uh there's a there's a guy uh, Nicholas, uh from our community who faithfully uh, generates a new diff every time that we upgrade Bowser. And so you can go look at his website and see what we've done and then go and apply those patches to your own code and stay current with uh, Ignite Bowser as we evolve it. Some people do that faithfully. Some people are just like, no, where I started is where I'm going to start and then I'm going to go my own path. And that's totally cool too. Um, But, uh, but for the most part, like when we do things like internally, we'll generate using Ignite. Uh, We'll create the new app, and then we're off to the races. Um, One thing I should mention, by the way, is we now support Expo. And we've actually done a full project using Ignite and Expo, and it turned out great. We got it launched, and it's up on the App Store now. Uh, So Expo, you don't have to make a decision between Expo and Ignite anymore. This is, um, we totally support it. In fact, that's the nicest way to use Ignite, in my opinion, (laughs) When you when you're starting out, like definitely use Expo unless you, unless there are limitations that mean that you can't.
0: Oh, that's good okay, to know. I guess cool. I'll be starting over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it, there are reasons not to use Expo, and like we just started a new project and didn't use Expo, but uh, if we could have, we would have. Okay.
2: Yep. That's that's the way I approach it as well. It's like Expo. Mm-hmm. It just it makes it easy. It doesn't work every time, but when it does, ah, right. oh, chef's kiss. Right. It's beautiful.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, we know i'm not doing anything that expo can't handle so maybe i'll just <laughs> spin that back up for expo it's it's surprising how far you can get with
1: expo mm-hmm. and then there are ways to kind of like gradually go away from it like you can be like i'm going to eject and continue to use a lot of their libraries and stuff and or even continue to use their managed service with an ejected app you can do that people don't realize that you can use a manage the managed service with an ejected app it allows you to just as long as you don't like click into the screen that that would blow up if uh, you know if you hit it like you know that accesses some native API or something mm-hmm. you know continue to develop using using the managed service even even as you eject I I'm kind of like I, I'm a huge Expo fan and and I think that um, over time they're gonna I I, well, I guess the biggest thing is I'm a fan of their team I think yeah. their team is amazing and so that's. I, I have a lot of a lot of respect for them, and I think that they're going to come up with good solutions for, for work going forward.
2: Absolutely, That's yeah. Cool. I mean, that, a lot of awesome stuff here. I'll definitely have to check out Ignite again, especially with the Expo support. Because I mean, I'm an Expo yeah. fanboy, so and like yeah, me too. anything <laughs> anything that can get me closer to getting the the development job done, I'm a big fan. Totally. Of.
1: Now we do use uh, MobX State Tree for for uh, state management, um, which we you know it's kind of interesting because normally we would have a lot of opinions about this and make some changes and stuff. We have pretty much kept the same state management uh, solution since we released Bowser, okay. And it continues to hold up as a fantastic. I, I gave a talk at React Native EU in 2019 about uh the MobX trifecta, you know, MobEx, MobX State Tree, and MobX React Lite. Those three packages, uh, really are, to me, a fantastic way to build an app, even as you scale into the hundreds and hundreds of screens. Um, you'll find that they're, they have massive amount of performance. They're, the developer experience is very good. Overall, it works very well, and it also works very well with another open source project we use called uh, Reactatron, which is a debugging uh, desktop app that allows you to inspect your state and, and, and things like that.
0: You're a fan of that, aren't you, Spencer?
2: I am, yeah, I completely forgot to bring that up today. Unfortunately, I think, like, we're out, we're out of time. I worked it in smoothly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least, like, you know, a, a token piece on Reactatron, like, I mean, it, it makes development and de- debugging super, super easy. Like, it provides so much yeah. insight. And I think now, I haven't integrated it yet, but you guys released, a, either rebuilt it or reconfigured it in a way where it works within or... Next to Flipper as well, is that right?
1: That's right. Yeah, Flipper, the debugging desktop app released by Facebook. Uh, they asked us to include a Reactotron plugin, and we did that. Rich Evans is our primary maintainer of Reactotron, and he worked on that.
2: Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's another one that you know it's a third package I install in every project right after navigation. <laughs> so yeah, thank you guys for investing it. the resources in doing that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Speaking of resources, Infinite Red has a newsletter. And you should go subscribe to that because when it comes out, there's really, really good articles. Like who curates those, who, who goes and finds those things? Are they just random things people throw into your Slack or, I mean, they're right. usually really, really good.
1: Yeah. So, uh, react native newsletter is, uh, I think it's ReactNative.cc is our big react native newsletter. It's curated by Frank Von Hoven, who's one of our senior developers. And we do have a Slack channel with people inside and outside of Infinite Red that allow uh, people to submit articles. Um, and there's also a webpage where you can go and submit them, I think a Google form. Uh, so Frank does a great job, and and there's some awesome stuff that comes out. We also have an Infinite Red newsletter where it shows showcases more like Infinite Red specific news and, and uh, articles, which we're releasing React Native content all the time. So. If you're interested in react native uh you could probably sign up to both of those and get a lot of value out of both of them
0: that's it yep i misspoke it is the react native newsletter is the one that i was talking about yep
1: yep yeah we we do curate that for sure
0: yeah yeah really good really good resources these guys are pretty cool you should check them out (laughs) thank you so do you have anything else um
1: anything you want to add you know like normally at this time of year i'd be talking about how well chain react our conference went uh but of course we had to cancel it this year um, yeah. it's a react native conference that happens every non COVID year in, uh, <laughs> in July in, uh, Portland, Oregon. So stay tuned, uh, go to infinite.red slash chain, conf, uh, to, um, you know, to kind of see what, what we're up to there. I think there's also a newsletter on that as well that you can stay in touch or no, actually the infinite red newsletter will let you know if, uh, there are changes to chain react. It's fantastic. We get about 500 developers from around the world. Uh, Facebook does announcements there. You know, they'll, they'll, they announced Hermes there, for example, the, the JavaScript engine. Uh, So it's a big, it's the biggest uh, React Native conference. I think it's the only React Native conference in the USA and uh, we're very proud of it, but unfortunately none in 2020. So hopefully 2021.
0: Yeah. I hope so because we both want to go for sure. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'd love to meet you guys there. That'd be awesome.
2: That would be great. Awesome. Well, Jamin, thank you so much for joining us today. It was awesome talking
1: with you. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate uh, both of you and thanks
0: for the invite. Do you want to let everybody know where they can find you on yeah. Twitter or the web or wherever?
1: Yeah. Generally Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Jamin Holmgren, my first and last name. Um, and, uh, you can email at me if you have any questions. I'm happy to answer things. Jamin at infinite.red. And, um, I don't know. Like those are the main, uh, main things uh, my my direct messages are also open, so feel free to send me a message there and and I'll uh, I'll get back with you.
0: Yeah. You have a link over to your website as well. Um, I was creeping on that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, our company website is infinite.red and my personal website is com or jamin.dev. Nice.
0: Awesome. Oh, I was checking out that pool deck.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that we've been really enjoying that pool this this summer. <laughs> yeah, bet, can't do much I else, bet. so. <laughs>
0: Very good. Well, it was fantastic having you on. This is really, really good. Thank you. One of these days, I hope we meet, you know, in yeah, person.
1: Absolutely, I'm sure we will. Yeah, that'll yeah. be awesome.
2: All right, and thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Uh, have a good one.
0: All right, see you guys. Thank you.